Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. If you have your Bibles, would you go ahead and open them to the book of Philippians? Philippians, however you get your Bible, whether that's Well, you know what? Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to begin at uh, verse 3. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. And this is a very strange uh, predicament that I'm in uh, right now because I wanted to use this Bible in particular. Uh, I grabbed it because it is uh, NRSV. And that's the translation we're going to use today. But I have used this Bible so much, I grabbed it on my way up here today. If you can see the page, it is missing. So Deidre, would you mind to run back uh, to my office and just grab my iPad? It's in my bag. And uh, I'd like to be able to do this. Right now, though, I'm just going to read it on the screen. Thank the Lord that uh, we thought ahead and did this. And I'll remember next time to check the Bible Before I bring it up here to preach, let me read the word of the Lord to you today from Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God this is the word of God for the people of God and our response is thanks be to God Well, I want to start, before we jump right in, I want to start with the the surprise I had last week. Uh, And I I had a feeling we were doing some cupcakes or something in the back for my 50th birthday. Oh my goodness, I was overwhelmed by that. So I want to say thank you to my leadership team and for anybody who put all of that stuff together. Uh, That was just incredible. If you weren't here... A limo scavenger hunt uh, to all of my thank you Kyle uh, all of my favorite haunts uh, so bookstores and coffee and food and Mexican food in particular and we just had a great great time my family and I so can I just say thank you for everyone who wrote a card who gave a gift uh, who wrote something kind and nice just in celebration of my birthday Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Can we give a round of applause for those who helped with that? I just thank you so much. That was so fun. 
All right, and now I have a Bible. And isn't that good? Um, electronic though it may be, now I just have to get to the right place. Well, we're in a series called Christmas Letters. And if you weren't here last week, the reason why we're doing what's called Christmas Letters has to do with uh, the lectionary. And uh, the lectionary is something that all churches who kind of follow a liturgy, who are a little more formal than we are on your day-to-day, they use this. And every week of every Sunday, they read an Old Testament passage, a psalm, a gospel passage, and one of the New Testament letters, or the epistles, that they are called. And we decided we would join this, this year, as we normally do, and, and preach from those lectionary readings. Now, most of the time, we love to preach from the prophets, that Old Testament, because it's those great ones, you know, like Isaiah, he shall be, or today, Malachi, talking about the one who will come prepare the way of the Lord. And we love the gospel readings, and we love to hear about the Christmas story and all of that. And I just had this crazy thought enter my brain that said, we always leave the letters out. They're just kind of glossed over. And I said, what if we looked at them in detail to see what they are trying to say during this season of longing? And we have a wonderful artist who made some banners. So each week they'll change. And this is our one for this week. And uh, and it's just going to be nice to kind of live in the Christmas letters. What is being said to us in these letters that were written so long ago during this season of longing that we call Advent? So let's go on. Our week this week is the second Sunday of Advent. You've already heard me talking about this. And this is the Sunday where we light the candle of peace. Now, peace, you and I just think of maybe as a quiet room. And all your kids are playing peacefully. Maybe they're separate. Somebody's doing Legos. Somebody's playing video games. And you just have that moment to sit and drink your cup of coffee. The absence of conflict. That's usually what we think about when we talk about peace. But the truth of the matter is, is that peace, in the biblical sense, is so much more than just the absence of conflict. The Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. Can you say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Shalom. And the Greek word that we're going to spend time in today is the word erene. You want to say that with me, don't you? Ready? One, two, three. Erene. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Erene. And just so you dream about Erene, ready? One, two, three. Erene. And what shalom or Erene means is wholeness. Wholeness. Now think about that. This would include the absence of conflict. Because conflicts and wars are usually started because somebody thinks they lack something. And they're either going to take it or they're going to get it back. But if you are living in peace, shalom, erene, you are feeling whole. There is no need for that conflict. It also means that in all of life's complexities, everything is in its place or working correctly, functioning correctly. So, so countries that are at peace, shalom, erene, they are not just not fighting, but they are working together. 
the way God intended for the human family to work together. Working to benefit, working to feed, working to help. They're working in partnership together. Everything is working together. So peace, shalom, arene is not just about what is missing, but about what is included. What is going on here? In all the complexities of life, things are just in place and working correctly. Like last night, when we saw the victors, everything was functioning and working correctly. And, and listen, I, I know some of you are, are, you know, shout, go green. And that's okay. Listen, so blue won the Big Ten title, right? But green still won Michigan. Everything works out. Look at this. Shalom, wholeness, peace. It's all good. I like to think of it in my car. We used to have a Subaru. And, uh, and it was an okay car for a while, and then it started making this horrendous noise. And all the complex parts of my car were not in a rene. In fact, it was the transmission. The last thing you want to hear about, you know, going bad and not being in a rene. Working properly. And so I had to make a trip down to Indiana and we, we purchased a vehicle. Here, here it is. Uh, well, there it was. The nice green Kia car. Now this car has put us back into Shalom. Irene. It's a great vehicle. It runs well. When I push the gas pedal, it goes faster. When I hit the brake pedal, it stops. The radio works. There's no transmission. In fact, there's a wonderful warranty with it for 10 years or 100,000 miles. And then they had to replace something, a recall, so they just started the 10 years or 100,000 miles over again. I mean, we're in Irene. It works in all of its complexity. I hope this is helping you to understand shalom, peace, Irene, what this Sunday is all about. But Irene, that word, is not even used in our passage today. So why are we preaching about Irene? Why am I talking to you about Irene? Because although it is not mentioned specifically like it is in our Old Testament and New Testament passage, gospel passage, it is described. This wholeness is described in what Paul is longing for this little church in Philippi. So I want to talk to you about the church in Philippi for just a minute. I just want to geek out just a little bit. Philippi was just this little enclave in Greece, and it was kind of a dying little city until there was non-Arene that happened just outside. There was a major battle when Julius Caesar was killed. Those who had killed him got part of their army, and Mark Antony and, and the other guy, general met, and they met outside Philippi. And there was a great battle, not Irene. And of course, like many battles, there would be wounded people on, on either side who survived. And rather than try and make their long trek back to Rome or their long trek around into Egypt, what happened was the person in charge said, settle down right here in Philippi and just live here. Recolonize this. We're going to change its name from a Greek name to a Latin name. And we just want you to settle down here. So this city was filled with wounded veterans. And they began to inhabit the city. Well, Paul makes his way through here and he starts a little church. Imagine how difficult it would be. 
under a dictatorship where people are saying Caesar is Lord to start a little tiny church that says, no, Jesus is Lord. And we want to show you how his love transforms everything. When you have soldiers who have given their life and maybe some of their livelihood, their legs, their arms, their body doesn't work like it used to, in the name of Caesar, to now hear someone talking about Jesus. And this little group began to come under some great persecution. And yet, they continued, like last week, to survive. And Paul, writing from prison to them, wants them also to thrive. And so he writes to them. He wants them to know that they are an excellent church. In fact, the reason why he's writing back is because they took a risk. They sent a gift from their little home church to Paul who was in prison so that he could uh, survive. You know, when you were in prison back then, you didn't get three squares and get to watch cable television. You if you died, then justice just got served earlier. You didn't worry about that. And, but if you gave a gift to someone who was in prison, that puts your name on the list. So they took a risk. They were, they were doing a good thing. And Paul wants them to know they're an excellent church. But he wants them not just to be an excellent church. He wants them to experience erene. He wants them to experience wholeness. And so he prays. And our prayer is right there. And this is my prayer. This is Paul speaking. You can read along with me if you want. And this is my prayer. That your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight. To help you determine what is best. So that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless. This sounds a lot like last week, doesn't it? We have those words that are there. That you may be pure and blameless. Remember we talked about what God can do in the work of the Holy Spirit to cleanse the heart that we might operate in blamelessness with others and before God. That, that God would so increase the heart. We still have that, that same, um, let me get to my passage here. We have those same words that are there about the overflowing that your love, your self, your agape love, your self-sacrificing love would overflow. Remember Perry Susai last week? I mean, we said it three times. You should. Perry Susai. Not just, oh, my cup is, is too full and it's spilled. It's Perry Susai. It's like a river overrunning its banks and just going that your agape, your self-sacrificial love might do that and might overflow with what? With experiential knowledge and discernment to be able to tell what is best. You're in a city where it may be hard to determine what is best. And so I'm praying for you. I want you to experience wholeness, irene, everything working as it should. I want you to experience that. So I want you, I'm praying that your self-sacrificing love will overflow its banks and you'll experience that and be able to determine what is best and live into that sanctifying work where you are pure and blameless. Sounds a lot like last week. But this week, I want us to move on because I, I really, God really focused me on this phrase. And maybe you want to underline this. Not just that your love would overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight. 
But verse 11, having produced the harvest of righteousness. Having produced a harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. I want us to focus right down on this little phrase. Having produced a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness is the Greek word dikaiosune. I've spelled it out here phonetically so we can all say it together. It's a little bit long. But let's say this word together. Ready? One, two, three. Dikaiosune. Let's say it one more time. It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? One, two, three. Dikaiosune. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Dikaiosune. What does dikaiosune mean? Yes, it means righteousness or justice, but behind the term is this idea of being in right relationship with someone. Now, it's often talked about uh, being in right relationship with God, but it is also about right relationship with one another. That if you are living in righteousness, you are living right related to those who are around you. And of course, as we've been discussing all through this series, there is this reciprocity that to love God is to love people, and to love people is actually to be in right relationship with God. This is righteousness. Now, I've already said it's sometimes translated as justice, but think about what is justice? Justice is the restoration of relationships that are broken. And if there has been something that is wrong, those things are balanced and the ground becomes level once again. And Paul is praying that all of these things would overflow and that there would be a harvest of righteousness. Now I want you to see this word harvest because I said we were going to dial down on these two words. Harvest of righteousness. The word for harvest is the word pleroo. Let's just say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Play ro-o. Say it one more time. One, two, three. Play ro-o. And one last time, of course. One, two, three. Play ro-o. Now, what is play ro-o? It sounds like our, our word from last week, play on a side, which was about super increasing. And we've already had one talking about overflow. Harvest, though, has the idea of filling up to the full. How many of you are old enough to remember fill it to the rim with brim? I never tasted that stuff, but it doesn't exist anymore, so it's not has a good track record. I love it when my coffee cup is filled to the rim. It is play roo all the way to the top. But there's something about play roo when your cup is full all the way to the top and you're just getting it out of the Keurig or out of the coffee maker or whatever you have your cup under. Uh, you have to be really careful, don't you? You kind of do one of these. And inadvertently in trying to keep it still, it, you know, it goes like that. And so you're, you're trying to get it there because it's so full that if there's any bumping, what is inside spills to the outside. So think about that when Paul says, I want you to see a pleroo of right relatedness. I want you to be so full all the way to the brim that everything is there in right relationship to God and to others. That when you are bumped or when you are inadvertently walking around in your city of Philippi where things are not always erene, not working as they should, when you're bumped, righteousness flows out of you. Right relatedness flows out of you. 
And what I believe God helped me see for this to take place, for us to have a harvest, we need to ask ourselves the question, so how is your harvest of right relatedness coming along? Wherever you are in your season of life right now, how is your harvest, your pleroo, how is your cup filled all the way to the top with righteousness? How is that coming along? And if we're honest, sometimes we might feel like we have a right relationship this way, but the harvest of righteousness doesn't extend out this way. And I felt compelled to write that often we need to ask ourselves, am I living pure and blameless? Or petty and full of bitterness. You may want to write that down. That might be a good question for you and God to get alone and to ask, am I living pure and blameless? Or am I petty and, and filled with bitterness? And what I'm, I'm finding happens is, is that a, for a harvest of righteousness to start, it has to start with seeds of forgiveness. Forgiveness towards those who have injured. It may start small, but it has to start in order for that cup to be filled with righteousness so that when I'm bumped, right relatedness flows out of me. Now, first of all, I want to say that this is difficult beyond words. I don't want you to hear Pastor Jeff up here, oh, well, that's just easy for you to say. You know, it's written in the Bible, so just go out and do it. I understand this is hard because I understand that we walk around in a world where we can get wounded and bumped and bruised and, and, and abused. And I don't want you to hear me saying if you've experienced significant abuse, oh, just go out there and forgive that person. There may be a whole process. You know, you don't just put a seed in the ground and the, the giant corn stalk is there in the morning. There's a whole process that this goes through. But if we're ever to experience the wholeness, the shalom, the arene, then we have to start seeing those seeds of forgiveness planted. This is difficult. Can I just share vulnerably, like pastors, we don't get a pass on this. So when you're sitting in an office with someone who you've poured into them and invested in them and helped them and, and then they turn around and they didn't like something you said or someone you quoted and, and you've got to do this my way and if you don't then you're a heretic and you get an email that says you're lost and going to hell and they leave the church and, and you're so frustrated and shocked that you back your car into your garage. And then every time that you're backing your car into your garage door, you're not only thinking about, oh, I've got to be really careful here, but you're thinking back to those moments and everything that you felt on the inside. This is not easy. It's not easy for pastors. But it's what we're called to. If we're going to let righteousness fill us to the point of overflowing. So how's your harvest? This is hard. I want us to look at this because I don't want to just raise all the questions. I want, to, I want to talk about what are some ways that we live into this harvest of righteousness, of seeing this filled up. 
What do we do? First thing that you need to do, and you may want to write these down. First thing you want to do is you need to pray for Christ's help. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, having produced this harvest of righteousness. What does it say? That where it comes from. That comes from who? Jesus Christ. So again, just like last week, we don't just work ourselves up to this. This is something that Jesus starts in us. This is something that comes through Jesus Christ and his strength and his power into your situation to plant that seed that's going to grow into a harvest of righteousness. We have to pray that that strength of Jesus would come into that situation if we're going to plant those seeds of forgiveness. We need to pray for desire, and we need to pray for determination. What is the desire? Sometimes it seems so far away, and you're so hurt, and you're so wounded by what that person in the church did 13 years ago that you you just can't get over it, and you just can't think about forgiving them. Well, you need to pray to Jesus who can enable you for your desire to at least be God Help me to want to want to forgive them. I just want to see that desire begin to blossom. It's okay to start really honest right where you are. Help me to want to want. Help me to desire to see them, to forgive them. And then, God, give me determination to let go of bitterness. To let go of the bitterness that's consuming me, that's in there, that brings it up every time I try and back my car into the garage. I don't want to live like that. I want to see that begin to change. So give me the desire first, and then give me the determination to let go of bitterness. We have to pray that Christ would help. Then we have to begin to practice forgiveness. I think, practice forgiveness. Isn't that just something you do? Oh, I forgive you. No, 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 no. No, I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. There is a discipline of practice and forgiveness. Sometimes it was remembering that situation when I found myself again with those same feelings going on in my heart as I had while I was backing my car in or sitting in my office or reading that email. I have to then, right then, practice praying, Christ, come in. Give me the determination. I don't want to live in this bitterness. I want to forgive. Help me to do that. Sometimes it becomes a routine. So every day, at the end of the day, when I'm backing my car into my garage, and I'm trying to be really careful. It's an old garage. Tiny. Then when I'm backing it in, and those feelings come up again, and I'm remembering that again. For me, this is how I practice forgiveness. I said the Lord's Prayer. And especially when I got to that part, I said, and forgive me my sins in the same manner that I forgive, and I would call them by name. Reminds me, this is a daily thing. This is something I'm, I'm called to live into, to practice, not just one time. I saw a beautiful example of this in my own mom, who when her mom, who had a, a, a real story of abuse and problems and passed on that abuse to my mom and her siblings, And later in life, when her choices came back to bite her and she was in a nursing home and and doing this, I watched my mom practice forgiveness every day, making the trip to the other side of town, going into the nursing home, helping her, cleaning her, talking with her, praying with her, 
And at one point, out of all of that, in everything that was going on inside of my grandmother, she said, why are you doing this? Because I love you, and Jesus has done so much. And it was a friend not too long ago after that that led my grandmother to Christ. That is practicing forgiveness. And it is not easy. Therefore, we have to pray for desire and determination that God would do the work in us through Jesus Christ. If we're going to see shalom, wholeness, erene, move out into our world. We have to practice forgiveness. And lastly, we have to praise God through forgiveness. I want you to read uh, verse 11, the, the end of verse 11. Having produced that harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God, for the honor and praise of God. Did you realize that when you forgive someone, when you practice forgiveness, it is worship. You may not be singing a song, but it is worship. Because you are becoming like the one that you worship. The God who so loved the world, including you, that he gave his one and only son, that we might experience forgiveness, that we might experience right relatedness with God, and that would pour out into our world. And when we decide... God, help me to forgive. And we begin, we want to plant those seeds of forgiveness that will blossom into a harvest of righteousness. When we begin to do that, we look like Jesus. And that is an act of worship, my friends. If you need some incentive on how do I even begin to pray this, then realize this is an act of worship. This is an act of serving God. Forgiveness is an act of worship. Now, this also benefits you. Do you know this? Forgiveness benefits you. So often we're talking, we think it's, oh, it benefits them. You know, I want to tell you, after being a counselor for a long time, I would say about 85% of people who are bitter, the person they're bitter at has no clue that they're bitter. I've heard it explained this way. Bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and expecting the other person to die. When you forgive, it's not only an act of worship towards God, but it is something that benefits you. God wants this for you because in forgiveness, you find freedom. You are let out of the cage. You can begin to back your car into your garage without thinking about the other person. Why? Because you have forgiven them. And this isn't perfect. There are still days when I'm backing in and I'm saying, Father, forgive me my sins in the same manner that I forgive their sins. But we begin to do this. It begins to let us free. This freedom begins to come. I love this quote from Nelson Mandela, who was in prison as a political prison, uh, mostly because of his skin color. But he said this as he was walking out of prison, He said, I walked out the door toward that gate that would lead to my freedom. I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. And he went on to be the leader. 
And he went on to love those who had politically opposed him, who had persecuted him, had taken away many years of his life. He began to live in that. Why? Because he left bitterness behind and let forgiveness release him from his prison. Forgiveness is what truly begins to bring erene, wholeness, completeness to your life and to my life. Friends, are you ready for shalom? We've prayed. We've sung. But are you ready to enter into the true act of worship, which is to begin to pray that through Jesus, the seeds of forgiveness could be planted in the soil of your life? I don't know who it is for you. Maybe it's a church person. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a colleague. Maybe it's a former boss. But I want you to know That God thinks we're an excellent church. But he wants us to experience wholeness, shalom, irene, peace. And he's calling us this Advent season to begin to take those steps, to plant those seeds, to pray and ask Christ, come. And just as you were able to pray forgive them for they don't know what they're doing as they were crucifying you, Come into my situation and show me how to begin to pray that prayer. Help me to do that and help me to live into that. I want shalom. I want peace. I want erene. Are you ready for that? Could be the most incredible Christmas gift you ever give to yourself and unwrap. I pray that you will experience this peace this holiday season. Would you stand and let's pray? Jesus, we are... We've heard a hard message today. So often, we become so desensitized to the bitterness that happens because we hold unforgiveness in our heart. So help us. Help us to desire to forgive. I pray for my brothers and sisters here and my brothers and sisters online who may be feeling checked in their heart right now. They may be realizing, you may be holding up a mirror to them, hey, pay attention. I want you to be free of your bitterness. I want you to have a cup filled with right relatedness. God, I pray if they're sensing that right now, that you would give them the words to pray, Lord Jesus, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm so hurt and wounded. And it my life comes through that person that situation but I want to live in a reine, in shalom in peace, in wholeness I need that peace to be the gift you give to me this Christmas season 
So I'm praying for just the desire to be there. I pray that you would give them that desire and they would sense that right now. Pray that you would give them over the next days and weeks that determination to let go of bitterness, to pray daily for the desire to live in forgiveness. Help them, Lord Jesus, in this difficult, difficult task to practice forgiveness, to do it as an act of worship. And as they do that, may they day by day begin to sense freedom that comes as they leave bitterness behind in the cell and walk into the harvest of right relatedness. Oh God, let us be a church that operates in Irene. May we drop our bitterness at your feet and learn from you. For we need this in our world. We need this in our church. We need this in our families. We need this in our homes. Help us, oh God. And we pray and we ask all of these things in the name of the one who is the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of Irene, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Ouch. Would you receive this blessing as you go? And now, my brothers and sisters, my friends, I really, I honestly pray that you would experience the freedom of forgiveness. Pray you would begin to see the seeds of forgiveness sown into the soil of your hearts that it would produce and mature and grow and fill the cup of righteousness to almost overflowing. I pray that you would have desire and determination. And I pray in all of that you would realize that that might be the greatest act of worship that could happen in your lives. I pray all of this, this blessing that I send you out, and I pray all of it in the name of the Father who is for you, in the name of the Son who is with you, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in you, one God forever and ever. Go in Irene. Go in peace. Go in shalom. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online. We love you. Join us again next week. Have a great, great week. Go in his peace. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.